to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello and welcome indeed to another Flying Solo podcast. Today we're looking at creating new income streams and well, who wouldn't want a few of those? Don't forget, if you're listening via iTunes, we'd love you to post a brief review of the show. It helps us enormously. And of course, we welcome comments and discussion on Facebook or via the page this show has on flyingsolo.com.au. Now, my guest today is Nikki Parkinson, a former journalist, now full-time award-winning blogger who publishes Styling You, a real girl guide to fashion, beauty and life. Hello, Nikki. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Robert. Great to be here. Good. Now, look, uh, very interesting sort of career path you've had from uh, being a journalist to then moving into, I think, into personal styling. Perhaps you could just talk us through your journey for a couple of moments and then we'll kind of get on to today's topic. Okay. I love this because I really didn't know what I was doing. So I'm sure other people out there will identify with that. It's a familiar story. (laughs) I just had an hour Nevlin moment about seven years ago when I was on annual leave from my job, which I thought was going to be my job for life. And the media squeeze had started happening, um, particularly where I was working. And I loved what I did, but the politics of of that were kind of um, getting me down. And I really thought, you know, is this it? Or Mm. can I do something that I'm really going to enjoy putting my energy in for the rest of my working career. So this, so, is, when, this is when you were a journalist? Yes, okay, yes. Yeah. So I used those two weeks annual leave to kind of nut out different ways that I could still put food on the table mm-hmm. um, and start my personal styling business. I had been a fashion writer, editor, beauty writer, editor. So um, it was something I was used to doing with models and I just went, well, why don't I do it with real people? Why don't oh. I style real people? And in my, in my naivety, which I'm very happy that I had um, back then, I just went, well, let's just do it. And I did it and – so what year, of, what year are we talking yeah, about, Nikki? We're talking 2008, so okay, seven 2008, years ago. Right. Sort of, I was, yeah, I was serving my notice this time seven years ago. So it's always kind of a time of year that I go, ooh, yeah, that, <laughs> that was an interesting period um, because I really had worked mostly for the one employer as well for right. um, most of my adult life, and you know it was a big thing to step away from getting that regular paycheck to making and mm. a business and an income um, come into you. But I am so glad that I Made this backed step. myself. So that yeah, personal so styling, so basically helping people um, deter- or working with people to determine their style and to help them presumably yeah. re- refit out their wardrobes as such. So yeah. not, not the so e- easiest of businesses. No, not the easiest of businesses. Where I was living um, on the Sunshine Coast at the time, there weren't um, that many people also offering the service. Okay. So it would have been different if I was starting even in that time in a capital city. There were people in shopping centres offering that service. So it was kind of a good thing to bring into that market, um, which I had thought about. Um, but it, um, it was something that is very time-consuming and labour-intensive. Mm. And a little thing called the GFC happened three months after I started as well. So nice in my head, I thought I'd be helping all these corporate women. Um, they would rebook me a couple of times a year. 
um, it turns out that I saw a lot of clients, but they were mostly everyday women who were either going back to work after having kids or were out of the workforce after having kids, kind of didn't know who they were, how their wardrobe was going to look. They didn't. They were kind of lost. Right. Um, but my big failure in the business model, model was that they would all say to me, oh, this has been so great, that two hours, that four hours, I know what to do. I don't need you anymore. Mm. And I've gone, Uh-oh. okay, great. Great, <laughs> <laughs> see you around. <laughs> but that's, so each time we're starting afresh with a new client, you do, there wasn't that ability in that particular economic time at that time mm. to have the rebookings. I think that would be quite different. Um, but the other thing I realised early on was the um, – the labour intensive side of it, mm. where you were, it was your hours sure. direct to their hours, yeah. and um, it, that was emotionally draining as well as physically draining as well. So, so tell me, how, kind of, yeah. so how long did that? Did you did you run that kind of model for before you realised this just isn't kind of doing it for me? This isn't bringing me what I want. And then, what was the first sort of step you took when yeah. you realised that? I was very fortunate. Um, Number one, I accidentally had a blog set up as my website. And I say accidentally, like the person setting it up for me didn't do it by accident, but I wanted a website that I could update myself. And we're talking okay. 2008. There were still a lot of businesses paying a lot of money for websites they couldn't add anything to. Mm. So um, I was very specific on that and very lucky to have um, that platform set up for me um, that I was adding content to all the time. I wouldn't say I was blogging because I really didn't know what a blog was. I was adding content as I would have done as a journalist. Got you. Okay. And on the back of that, about a year in, I was very fortunate to be part of a mentoring program on the Sunshine Coast with the Sunshine Coast Business Women's Network. This mm. is in Queensland. Yep. And um, one of the mentorees was um, an internet marketing guru for want of a better word because especially back then there wasn't a lot of people in Australia Mm. kind of looking at selling via the internet and she was the first person who actually told me what a a web stat was and she looked in my back end which I thought was hilarious and I still find it hilarious um, and told me that I actually had um, quite a significant a number of people coming to my site every month. And so that was an eye-opener to me. And she got me thinking about how I could utilize those that traffic, those stats, and convert it into other income streams that didn't have me as the face-to-face person of that. So that's only a year in mm. to the business that I was very fortunate to have that kind of opened up to me. Um, and it's, it's remarkable just hearing you say that, that it's – even now, you know, here we are a few few uh, lifetimes on, uh, seemingly, in, in, the, in, in the speed of the internet. And there are still people that have that same situation where they don't actually realize p- the potential that they have in, in terms of their traffic. So, so you then saw it. Somebody helped you see Someone it. Someone opened my eyes to mm. it. And, and she um, got me on a program. Initially, it, it, w- it was my site needed to be redesigned it wasn't even set up to be able to take banner ads it wasn't um set up to potentially sell something off it so that was the uh, the next step and that probably took about a year but within that year we're talking 2010 now that's when i took my first banner advertising and um 
and that was probably with that redesign that was the turning point into me really focusing on um, adding consistent content to the blog and really working social media networks around it mm. to continue to bring build that audience so okay. so was, let me just stop you there for a sec so that but at that point then you clearly had embraced the notion that yes indeed you had a blog that was very clear and I guess it's true to say that um, there is still generally an, a, a sort of a, a, an opinion or stats even out there that say that there are an awful lot of blogs but there are not a lot of blogs that are creating much revenue but yeah. you've you then did this initially to supplement um, your personal styling, which I'm guessing was still running on, yeah. if not if not generating the kind of revenue you wanted. So the first sort of steps that you took to monetize and create some income with your blog were banner ads. And where did you where was that just from your audience, or was it from PR companies that are sort of seeing the traffic that you had? How did you actually start that process? Um, from contacts and business relationships that I had that were aware um, potent, po um, aware of what I was doing and followed along with my blog, probably mm. subscribed to it by email. So they were very um, personal connections like any business, you know, you do network and you do build those relationships. Um, whether there was a very good return for those early advertisers, I've probably doubt right. but for me each of those steps was a sign that there was something mm. that I could keep building on and it really was a matter of devoting a lot of time to my content at the same time as I was doing the things that were bringing in the actual income at the time sure and so what was this doing to kind of Nikki the person so here you are you're a fashion writer you're a stylist. It sounds like you're now turning into a small ad agency. Um, you know, how, how did you find the? Were you still managing pretty well all that process yourself? And did that sit comfortably with you? Um, yes, I was at managing it all myself. Um, there wasn't the income stream to be able to outsource apart from um, web and technical set up things. Yep. Um, I've outsourced that from the beginning. So I just had to take it all on. Um, I didn't find it a burden at that point because it was all a learning curve. Mm. There's a lot more information out there for people now wanting of to course. build a web-based business, whether it is a blog, whether it's something else. So you, you were really learning as you go and that was probably the biggest thing for me that um, that I just had to you know, head head down, bum up and do it. Mm. And it was a lot of long hours, but I still, I mean, that still hasn't changed. It's just focused on different things. Right. It, uh, the big difference is that I really enjoy what I do. And, mm. you know, that that's, and it's all for me. It's for my business as opposed to really enjoying my former job, but it was all for someone else's yeah. bottom line. It's a bit so, of a shift, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a shift. And, and, and that's kind of my number one, message to anyone wanting to make any kind of career change that if you can marry that what you love with what you do then it actually yes you're going to be you're going to be doing the work but it's it, it's not going to um 
be such a burden. No, it's not going to drain you because you can can feel the direct sort of results and benefits yourself. So obviously at the core of what you do is the fact that you enjoy writing, you love fashion. And I've spent some time on your site, and the way that you do it is is very, very personal, isn't it? You're you're talking about um, women's fashion. You're modelling much of the stuff yourself. Um, in fact, all of it is that right? You you pretty well. That's the model that you use. Excuse the pun of the word model. Yeah. Um, what I learned when I had to switch from writing like a journalist to writing like a blogger that wanted to connect with my community, what I learned was that you had to add that that bit about you, that personalised hmm. um, bit, but still offering good advice and information. Like it's not just enough for me to waffle on. It actually has to be helping people um, with the questions that they might have around style. What is happening is that they relate to my answers because I am very much – a real person and I show that on the blog but also I never pretend to know it all I open the conversation you show your vulnerability and and my readers will add in their tips and advice as well in the comments whether it's on Facebook or whether it's on the blog so that whole piece of content becomes this amazing resource for people based on information from other real people so yes i'm the anchor of that Mm. but it's the community adding to that and that's what that's what excites me as well sure that that you have this community that are engaged and they want to contribute to the conversation Mm. that's incredible and then as you as you kind of move moved forwards in your business and you had so you had your your sort of personal styling revenue you had ad revenue starting what the sort of what was the next kind of revenue little plug that came in, and where did where did that come from? What do, so what's the next your... um, revenue plug was with a um, advertising network okay. that um, Nuffnang that did sponsored posts, mm-hmm. and they still do, um, and that was my first foray into sponsored content, as well as they ran uh, a network advertising banner. Okay, so that was sort of formalizing the ad revenue yep. a little more, yep. plugging into a network. And do you still work with them today? Is that does that no? Okay. Um, in May two thousand and twelve, and very much the pivotal um, point for me. But I'd already made the decision to go full time blogging and not see any clients at the beginning of two thousand and twelve. But in May two thousand and twelve, just over three years ago, I signed with Australia's first dedicated blogging agency, the Remarkables Group. Oh yes, okay. And they, um, to this day, handle all my sponsorships, ambassadorships. Um, I still run my own banner advertising um, income stream. But the majority of my income comes through um, the Remarkables Group and the sponsorships that they negotiate. Okay, so you got to the point, or just to backtrack again then, so personal styling is where you started. The blog was really to support that. Then what's happened, and again, quite a familiar sort of story here, is that the blogging took over and the personal styling stopped because as you realise that the balance was... You know, your your time is better spent feeding and nurturing your community. Um, and now you've got to the point then where that sounds like it's running pretty well. I know you've got good traffic, good revenue, so that must be, one would hope, translating into into good revenue for you. Now you're looking at moving into another area. What's, what's that and how did you make that decision? 
so what I've learned as I've, I've learned about business as I've grown is that you do need to have, it doesn't matter what the business is, a number of different income streams. So you're not reliant on one particular income mm-hmm. stream. So my sponsorship and ambassadorship is um, a really good source of income for me, but like any source of income, it can fluctuate over the year. Uh, if you look at it on an annual basis, all great, but you know, month to month, sure, it's Pick, not, picks and troughs have, a bit. Picks and troughs are going to mm. happen. So, what I've learned from not just bloggers but other business people is to help manage those peaks and troughs is to build other income streams into that. So I started this year with a couple of objectives and one was to um, outsource more of the admin style work that I found myself getting bogged down on and mm-hmm. doing spending all my weekends doing. And then that, that would then allow me to focus on um, building a new income stream. So at the start of the year, I was in my head, I was playing around with um, do I – launch an online course, an e-course, or do I work towards a an online shop? So I was just sort of bubbling around both in, hmm. in my head for a month or so and just saw where that sat and what excited me the most. Um, what excited me the most was the shop. Okay. So that's my project for this year. Um, I'm not crazy. I'm not going to try and bring in another product or income stream in the same year, I might, may look towards something next year. But that's what I decided to do. And we're just at the end of the first um, shop. So rather than it being open all the time, all year round, the concept is that it'll open for pop-up for a month at the start of each fashion season. Excellent. And, so a pop-up, an um, online pop-up yeah, shop. An online pop-up shop. So it creates... Nice demand sure. but also the concept that I've developed around the, around it instead of just throwing in a random assortment of items mm-hmm. um, that it is 12 about 12 to 13 or be, it'll be 10 to 13 products each time that all um, work together and can be worn together a variety of different ways, which I show in a blog post and a photo shoot. And then um, my readers can kind of get that visual cue with the wardrobe capsule. Um, And my thinking behind that was Mm. that even if someone doesn't buy from me, they're getting help and advice. So I'm building my community at the same time. And my thinking was that some people will go, oh, I've got similar one, two, three, four, I've got similar in my wardrobe, but four, five, six, I'm going to add. And some Fantastic. people will just go, I'll have eight of the items. And we're now at the end of that first month, um, the first pop-up shop, and that has been what's eventuated, that some people have bought one or two things. And some, some have bought everything. have bought um, almost everything. So to me, that that means that I've kind of hit the mark with the concept, but also what I've chosen to be in there. And that that will be the key to ongoing success with that, that the, what I choose initially to work together, hmm. that, um, yeah, that will work in the shop. So it's been in a very exciting project to be That's part terrific. of and to learn some kind of new skill around it. Hmm. Let me just, I'm just going to quiz you on a few elements that. Firstly, um, you mentioned ambassadorship before and I realise I was a bit remiss when you mentioned it the first time I didn't pick up on that. Just explain to to our listeners, if you would, what you mean by ambassadorship and how does that work for you? 
An ambassadorship is an extension of a one-off or a short um, sponsored campaign that you might do on the blog and it generally will go over six to 12 months where you're working with the same brand okay. um, and it, the campaign um, may include, usually includes sponsored posts, but um, in one particular case of mine, it's just an Instagram campaign over about nine months um, and it is for me as a business it's great on two points it's great to know that that income is set for that period of time from that particular client um, plus also for my readers I'm not chopping and changing as much that mm. I'm actually totally aligned to a brand that I wouldn't align myself with if I didn't feel good about it um, or I didn't think they had offered something to offer my community. And so they don't have that about which brands I'm sure. supporting. No, I love the notion of that, that it's, it's uh, you know, you're staying with a brand for a particular period of time. You're choosing who that brand is. So if it's not a good fit, you presumably say no. Great yes. idea. So with the, just going back to your shop then, so um, what the clothes that you're selling through this your your pop-up shop uh, then you're not designing and manufacturing but you're pulling them together is that right you're yeah so yeah, i don't okay. carry the stock um right. i'm a drop shipper yeah gotcha. so i have i work with um in this particular case it was six different suppliers all online businesses and um i receive a I take all the sales and mm. send on all the orders to the suppliers and they invoice at the end of the shop for the amount less the commission that we've agreed on um, for that sale. Yep. Um, and where it works for them is that it's another way to – it's a way to connect with my audience. Um, it's a great marketing tool um, for them and they allocate a certain amount of stock. So it's not unlimited they can do that based on what they've got they know they'll have available and what works for them in a couple of cases in um this first shop two of my suppliers have restocked that's working cl clearly very nicely for you you've got your your first kind of season i guess up there and is that still running or has, has that now completed so it finishes um it finishes this weekend okay uh and there was a bit of a thinking behind it a couple of reasons so there are other bloggers and online um, influencers who will do this kind of scenario once a month. But uh, for me, I knew with all the other work that I do, it, that logistically would not work. Hmm. But also my readership is a bit different um, from these other online influencers. It's a bit older and we're not of the – we're not generally buying something new every week. Okay. So a younger demographic – they're very much changing over their clothes a lot quicker. Um, so my readership have other things that they've got to spend their money on. Mm. So if I was kind of throwing this out there every month, it would be too much. Too much, yeah. Um, well, another... Whereas if I do a considered edit every season, then I'm encouraging them to be considered about their purchases as well. Sure. And again, another lovely way for you to demonstrate your – clear understanding of your community which you've mm. built over a number of years and uh, there's nothing worse is there than when you see somebody who you kind of felt you were f following and had a good connection with and then they do something weird and just sort of unsuited it's it's yes. um not terribly a attractive process so clearly that's not what you've done and it sounds like you've, you've handled this in a way that will 
really work for you. So if we look ahead a bit further, Nikki, you've, you know, you've, your business has evolved. You've, you've said at the beginning that part of it, you know, the evolution was not necessarily planned. It's you kind of responded to how people were responding to you, really, how people were connecting to you and how, you know, the whole blogging, uh, the blogosphere evolved. So what do you see in the future for you? You talked before about um, training, was doing courses was possibly something. You know, if we go a couple of years hence, what do you see for styling you in, in that sort of time? This is the this is the most tricky question for the industry that I'm in because what I'm doing as a business model didn't exist five years ago. So I kind of um, I have an idea of like I still want to be doing what I'm doing, but then adding on different income streams. My aim is to do a different one every year to add it in. Um, and maybe some of those aren't going to work. Maybe they're not mm. going to be the right ones. But at least if I'm having a try, I'm experimenting. And I do like in the online world that you can kind of do that. Yes, it will cost you because there is expenses involved with every idea that you set up. But, I, you know, you take the shop, for, existence, for mm. example. If I hadn't have spent the money to get that in place, I would not now have this new income stream that has actually been successful. If it hadn't have been successful with this first one, then I would just – evaluate that and mm. move on or give it another go. So it's it's a tricky scenario. I guess what I've learned is that um, having plans are great, but it's such a dynamic space, the online space, whether you're blogging or you just have an online-based business or online is part of your business and it should be, um, that you kind of have to be able to adapt and mm. move with it yeah, and, and be I... open to those opportunities that, that you don't even know what those mm. opportunities are going to be at this point. Yeah, and I guess, look, that's one of the beautiful things about the agility that we have as um, as very small businesses. And again, I guess it's it's um, what you've indicated in what you've been doing is, is just listening and observing your audience because mm. your audience will tell you what they need. The audience will tell you what they want as long as you're receptive and can can read it so I, I love the fact that your 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 response to what does the future look like is you're not terribly sure but whatever it is you're going to find a solution that works for you and it sounds like you're very excited about that which is a yeah very nice position to be in okay well, and at the crux of that uh, sorry at the mm. crux of that and and this is what I say to everyone is that whether you're blogging for your business or you need to c control your online space. Mm. I do work the social media networks, but I'm very much in a conscious of continuing to offer great content on my blog, but also building my email list because they're the things you have control over with your message as opposed to a social media network, which can um, make it more difficult by the month to get access to a particular community. So, that's that's the crux for whatever business you're in you need to be managing that as your platform yeah so you what you're suggesting what you're saying there then is is things like email addresses is data that you hold as opposed to building a community on facebook which as wonderful as it is you don't hold that data is that what you mean that's right. The yeah. rules can change. You don't mm. own it. So yes. um, not that we own the data, but we have control over it within the laws governing it. Mm. And and they're your most loyal customers, the people who have given their details to you. Yeah. So, yeah. Quite right. Well, look, thank you so much. Now, look, I, I have in front of me a, a list of 
20 questions and you don't know what that list is but I would like you just to choose any number between 1 or 20 and I'm going to throw whatever you choose at you and see how you respond any number between one number six oh okay this is an interesting one what's been your proudest moment in business yeah well it's what do you reckon let's go with business and then we might go elsewhere afterwards let's go in business what's been your proudest moment in business do you know what my proudest moment is every day if I stop and reflect on what I've built from nothing. Hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've been very lucky to win awards, um, to have acknowledgement within my industry. Um, I've been um, fortunate to be able to build a profitable business. But, you know, the biggest thing, what well, we always are looking at forward, moving forward, moving forward, but you just have to look back. You have to look back and go, Oh my goodness, look what I have done from nothing, like from scratch, from no finance. I had some long service leave, that was it, and I've built it from nothing um, with even little knowledge. Like I had to learn everything, and that to me makes me proud. And so it should. If I try and do that every day, every week, then that helps you to drive forward and keep moving. That's and look, you so you should be proud. And, And I love the fact that it sounds like you've built it into your day or your week that you do stop and pause and reflect which is just so important because we can't rely on other people to come up and tap us on the shoulder and going you know what you should be really proud of what you've done because people don't do that <laughs> that's very good exactly mm. exactly all right well then let's you you've, you've you've opened the door to it now what's been your proudest moment outside of your work so it's actually tied to my work so uh, uh, one of the other motivating factors for me to go out on my own and leave my former job was to create a work environment that was flexible around my family. Now, eight years ago, I still had um, two children at high school and a toddler. Hmm. So now I have two university age students and who don't really need me and uh, almost 10 year old who still does need me for the next eight years um, to be around. And what I've found is that even if even in those teenage years, just me being at home working and being around made a difference to mm. their um, high school years. Fantastic. You're not as hands-on in those years, but that flexible situation was definitely something that that helped me and our family life at that point in time and continues to do so. Awesome. That's that's a beautiful response and I'm, I'm so pleased to hear it and happily it's it is what drives people, many people, to start their businesses, and it's just so nice to catch up with somebody who's doing it, doing it so well, enjoying it, and uh, clearly those around you are enjoying it. So that's fantastic. Now, um, Nikki Parkinson, if people would like to find out more, go to your blogs. Where, where can we direct people to? Um, stylingyou.com.au. Okay. And on all the social medias, Styling You Everything. Styling You Everything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't surprise At Styling me. You Everywhere. Okay. Well, look, Nikki Parkinson, again, thank you very much for uh, joining us, for sharing your, your wisdom with, with the Flying Solo community. And uh, I hope, we hope your, your shop continues to do extraordinarily well. And uh, we'll keep an eye on uh, what's next for you. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything you know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 